0: This podcast is brought to you by BeatStars, the number one marketplace to buy and sell beats. In this episode, our host DJ Payne1 sits down with music producer Lifestyle Did It to discuss how sticking to a schedule made beat making easy. To our ProPage users... Don't forget to check out our opportunities and challenges on BeatStars World for a chance to work with some of the industry's best creators. If you're not a ProPage member, but would like to try it out, use the code PODCAST for a 30-day free trial. And of course, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Enjoy the show.
1: Uh, First of all, I want to just remind everybody about BeatStars distribution. So you can release your music to over 30 digital streaming platforms and keep 100% of the earnings. And the link is in the the chat. Shout out to Sydney for for dropping that link. Um, And it's built right into BeatStars. BeatStars is really becoming the one-stop shop. And it's great, especially for producers who want to go beyond just selling beats and want to start. Releasing instrumental albums or collaborations with recording artists, um, entire projects that kind of thing. It's just it's right there. Um, you can add collaborators, which, bo- it boggles my mind that only a handful, and not even a handful. Like I can only name two or three off the top of my head um, distributors that actually allow for for collaborator splits, and Beat Stars is one of them. So, where I was talking about fairness and and splits. You know what I mean? So you should use a distributor that reflects that. And so BeatStars is is an obvious choice and it includes free content ID. Um, So take a step in the right direction with your branding and with your production career, BeatStars.com forward slash distribution link in the chat as well. Um, But right now I want to bring in an old friend of mine that I haven't spoken to in a long ass time, actually. Uh, and his name is Lifestyle. Did it? What's going down, sir? How are you feeling?
0: Hey, what's up? You can hear me or not? I can hear you. It's actually pretty oh, yeah. quiet. Sounds good. Uh, let me turn up the. That's weird.
1: How about now? Still the same? No, it sounds um, sounds better. Uh, people in the chat, how how do our levels sound? Are we kind of at at equal levels?
0: Is one of us louder than the other? Somebody, somebody just. The mic must be working then, but it doesn't show in the program that it's working. So hopefully it is. Let me see what everyone's saying. Sounds good. Good. Cool.
1: Okay. Apparently we sound good. So,
0: okay. Someone said equal. I'm glad it worked because I really didn't want to use that webcam mic. I was like, come on, man. I got the whole setup ready. But I don't know. Inside of whatever we're using, it doesn't show, but uh, at least it works, right? (laughs) Oh, you're talking about the monitor levels on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. yeah, because on the webcam, it shows it moving, but my mic, it doesn't. So this whole time, I was like, dang, I'm going to have to use a webcam mic. It's going to sound like I'm somewhere far away, but good thing it works. <laughs> well,
1: hey, you got some supporters in the chat already, so there are people go. shouting you out. They're excited to have you on. Cool. What's up, um,
0: everybody? Um, Thank you for having me, by anything? the way. I watch your guys' stuff all the time. Um, mostly when I'm working out, I got it in the background, so it's cool to be on here. Like you said, we haven't talked in, I think... Almost two years, right? Twenty nineteen, I think, was the the uh seminar. I feel like we've spoken since then, but that was the that yeah, was the last like time we were person. in the same physical
1: yeah, yeah, yeah physical space. Yeah. But we haven't yeah. done a one of these conversations, so we should. I don't know. I don't know what yeah, exactly our, what our problem
0: <laughs> is. We did one back on uh Instagram. I don't know if you remember that. This was like oh, yeah. it might have been around the same time, yeah. We had done a live, I think.
1: We did a live talking about I don't
0: know some like some time. Uh, working,
1: like a nine to five yeah. job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yep. now, yeah, because we I think we both um, shared that content on our on our mm-hmm. respective YouTube channels. So yes, sir. Yeah, let's let's reflect on the past, um, and I want to start with a tweet that you posted uh, last year. Um, it's easy because you're not super active on Twitter, so uh, <laughs> this, this, this tweet stood out to me. Yeah. Um, And and you tweeted next month puts me at six years, I guess it'd be seven years now. Next month puts me at seven years since I started producing. It's crazy to think back to being 17 in high school with a dream and a goal. And now to be living it, please don't give up on yourself. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, those are the types of tweets that I think really synthesize a lot of this, the, the information, um, that that I'd like to put out there a lot of the positive energy, but then a lot of the the reality, um, which some find difficult to accept, which is that these things take time. Uh, yeah, and and I always kind of put in, in into perspective in terms of education. You know what I mean? Like, had if producing music were a um, a traditional career field that came with like a bachelor's degree program for example we would be working towards getting into that program throughout high school that would be years then we'd have to apply then we'd get in Then we do our four years and then we'd have to start doing the job search and the internship and all the regular stuff people do so it it it, you can you can count on it being at least a five to six year journey Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people get frustrated after a year or two of trying so i I love that tweet because it puts timing into perspective
0: yeah yeah i think uh what you said is correct um definitely like the cool thing about it is like for some people it could be a year or six Mm -hmm. months like i've known people that'll get started with maybe just selling beats um my bad. If I'm looking, I have you like in the background, so my camera's here. So I'm trying to like look at you in the camera. I'm pretty sure I'm looking this way when I'm talking, but we'll figure this out. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like it could be like six months or a year, or it could be ten years. And I feel like I was kind of in that middle part to where you know I actually started. Uh, was something I was able to quit my job and do was about six years so to me I kind of think maybe it's a little bit of the middle ground of not insanely fast but not maybe uh, too long which is good because like I started engineering Uh, well actually I started back playing drums so playing drums I grew up playing drums since I was about eight years old Uh, and then in high school I started getting into like multimedia type stuff and engineering became kind of one of those things and I kind of dabbled with audio and I was like, oh, it's actually really fun. Um, And then from there, it just kind of like, you know, grew out and I was just engineering. I was uh, running the school theater, like the soundboards and stuff for all like the live shows or talent shows or any, anything that they did inside the theater. Uh, And then I started, well, actually I went and got a job so I could save up to get a little bit of audio equipment because I wanted to start, you know, recording and engineering and mixing stuff. So, I don't even think producing was in my head at the time. It was mostly I want to have like the studio where people could come record. Um, so once I started doing that, I kind of fell into making beats because uh, friends that I was you know recording and whatnot wanted production. And uh, my, one of my homies, Tim, who's actually been on my channel a lot, a lot of people will be familiar with him. We do a lot of funny videos and whatnot. Uh, but I had made him a beat. He wanted me to make him a beat. And that's kind of where it all started. And I was like, I don't know how to make beats at all. Like I'm just, you know, he would bring beats. I'd record him, mix it, whatnot. So I that's kind of the,
1: fell That's a the to... rapper that you're super sarcastic with all the time, right?
0: Yeah. That's our personalities. Like it's, it's okay. uh, like how our friend group is, you know? Uh, so I was recording him and uh, my other friend, Andre. And through there, I was just making beats for them, but mostly just recording. People were coming through. I was engineering and that's really what I was doing for a long time. Uh, and then, throughout that time, I was, you know, working a job and whatnot. And I want to say, I'm trying to look at the time as 2021, I don't know, like 2016, I think I just, when I started my YouTube channel, as far as like tutorial wise, and I really just wanted to share all the information that I had learned from, uh, everyone that I've learned from on YouTube and all the mentors I had and like classes throughout school and everyone that I learned audio engineering from when I was in school because I was in a multimedia class where the teacher taught us a lot of things. And I really just wanted to like create a channel. I thought it'd be fun to create a channel and just share any information that I currently had and any information that I was going to get from obviously the more experience of doing it and whatnot. And I just fell in love with the process of teaching. Like I didn't think I kind of like did it and I was like you know I'll see if I like it like I've never you know made tutorials like that I've never I guess taught for YouTube type of style but I always found myself in studios with artists explaining everything I'm doing why I'm EQing this or auto-tune does this we could sing it this way and then you can you know not have it be tuned so hard and just really like kind of showing the process and it's a lot of fun because I'm learning you know a lot of stuff about how they write Um, and how they fit their bars in and all the types of stuff that they do. So I was kind of just sharing back and forth. So I was like, you know, this would actually be cool to take any information I have and just create some type of channel. So I just did it for fun at first. And when it started picking up, I just fell in love with it. And ever since then, I think I've been dropping videos. I've never missed like a full week. I'll say that I definitely used to upload like every other day. uh, But after like 400 videos and then adding so many things on with the business, I'm at least twice a week, maybe three times a week now, but I've never missed like a full week and it's just out of the fun of it. Like I love doing it. When I don't post a video, I'm like, dang, like I got to record something, try to record a bunch of videos to get them out. But I'm always wanting to do something. But like I said, after like 400 videos, like, you know, it kind of gets to the point where it's like, cool. Now I got to get a little bit more creative with what I'm teaching because you can only show how to, you know, free up a muddy mix so many times and whatnot. So you got to start thinking, all right, what other advanced tutorials can I kind of go into and whatnot?
1: there's also the the fun factor too, because, yeah. I, and I think this is probably key. Would would you have made 400 plus tutorials if it weren't fun for you and all you were focusing on was making tutorials that you thought would get a bunch of views and generate some kind of YouTube money for you?
0: I probably would have burnt out to be honest. Um, I think you've got to like it because a lot of the stuff that we're doing, I mean, even right now, like we're doing an interview, but, it's, it's pretty empty. There's nothing crazy going on behind us. Um, and the same thing comes to, you know, at least for me, when I make tutorials, I'm just doing it by myself. Um, except when I have friends on, it's really fun. You know, there's more activity going, but you really got to love what you're doing because like, you're just, if you're not liking it, it's just you, right. If I'm making a tutorial, but I'm not enjoying it, I'm going to just be sitting here and it's just going to be like, all right, I'm not going to do it then you got to like be able to enjoy it and love. And that's with everything, you know, and not to say every single day you're going to like, it. there's plenty of times where I make a video and I'm like, man, like this one's just not, it's not feeling right. Or I feel like I'm not explaining it right. Or I'm trying to make a, a styled tutorial beat for a certain artist or something. And I'm making the beat and I just feel like, ah, I'm not really feeling it today. And I'll either try it again. Honestly, most of the time I have a hard time, like just cutting the camera off and being like, all right, I'll do it another day. I usually just get irritated and then come back and I'm like, no, I'm gonna do it. And then maybe sometimes it gets to like the third time and it actually ends up being something dope, but I have a really hard time just like being like, eh, I'll do it another day. Cause I feel like I'm not getting any progress done. You know, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. At least to me, I feel like, and I always want to upload something for my audience to watch and, you know, give something for them to either learn from or be entertained by. So I usually just take a step back, maybe go, you know, walk around the block or something come back with a fresh head and then just do it again. And most of the time, honestly, it, it does work out, but there's been those days where it'll be consecutive fails one after another. And I'm just sitting here in my room by myself, like, dang, like this is, today was all else.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about that. Cause I, I, I had a talk with some producers about this session with you and um, they, they wanted me to ask you what your daily routine was. And it sounds like you're someone who's really focused on, Consistency and productivity to the point where it's such a habit for you to create content that you don't feel right not creating content. Yeah. Um, so how do you how do you uh, structure your day and your life around that need to create content so that you're, you know, consistently productive?
0: Um. So I'll just start with like I'll, I'll I'll hit like what I currently do now, and then I'll go back to like when I was working because I know a lot of people would definitely want to hear about that um so currently I have a pretty consistent day I'll get up at like I have an alarm set for like eight and then eight twenty um uh, that sounds terrible, but i if I'm a little tired when I wake up at eight, I'll push it to eight twenty which is I should sleep longer, you know, but I'll make sure to get my seven eight hours but um get out of bed. Um, usually check a little bit of social media and emails, but I try to at least get out of bed first, um, and make some breakfast, make some coffee. And that's kind of where I either like watch a little bit of a show or something kind of wake up a little bit. And then I'll reply to, you know, everything that I have to reply to for the day. And then, It's about like an hour after that. Then I'll go work out. Um, And this has been my complete routine, like every single day for at least the past like four months. Like I've been sticking to it and I've really been liking it uh, because I'm a morning person. So get up, get some food, get some coffee. Then I work out and then I come into the studio and it just depends on what I'm working on for that day. So like if it's videos for content, then that's what I'll be doing. If it's uh, beats, if it's just whatever I'm working on for the day, I kind of get started on that. Then I'll get ready for the day. Uh, and then my ready for the day means I'm coming back right to the seat where I was before I got ready, right? And I'm just kind of working the whole day until, you know, I go out maybe. But honestly, I'm really just mostly working in the studio. I'll have, like, the TV on in the background just for, like, you know, some type of uh, noise factor so it's not just, like, super quiet. And I'll just be getting work done. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I really – I definitely – have fallen in love to the point where I don't feel like I have to do work all day. I'm just doing it because for me, at least if I'm not like doing something productive or, you know, hanging out with my girl or something or whatever else, if I'm just like free time, I have free time to be at home and work. That's all I'm trying to do. Cause I have like a really hard time Maybe playing video games for like more than an hour, hour and a half. I'm like, damn, I'm not doing anything. But I already recorded three videos and did this and did that. And da, 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 da. I'm telling myself, like, you know, just chill out watching TV. But I think I just enjoy it so much. And I'm just the fact that I'm able to just focus on this now that I'm not working anymore. Uh, I don't take it for granted. And I enjoy it so much. I'm just like, why not? You know, I don't feel forced to do it. Uh, but I definitely try to keep, obviously, a social life. You know, you can't be working all the time. But since I enjoy it so much, I just really do find myself really just in here a lot. Oh, so you are one of those producers who has a social life. That's cool. I... <laughs> a small one, man. Yeah. Shout out to my girl. She keeps, me, uh, she keeps me grounded, you know, grounded to the floor and to the social life. But uh, definitely, I think, you know, with the with the pandemic and stuff, 2020, all of that, I was really, 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 like, locked in. Um, and just honestly doing the most work I can I focused a lot on just getting better at like piano there was a time last year where I just like kind of sat there and listened to my beats and I was like yeah I still don't like my beats like I feel like I'm like I need to put some time down on getting better at like chord progressions and whatnot so I spent like a couple months literally just practicing piano on YouTube uh, really trying to get better at like and b because I'm really into B, and there's a bunch of like borrowed chords from different scales, just, you know, like advanced piano type stuff, trying to learn a little bit of theory, but really just get better at my melodies and chord progressions and whatnot. And uh, I spent a couple of months just doing that and then just focusing on content. But I definitely, I wouldn't recommend always just work, 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 right? You got to, you got to be able to stay sane. Uh, but if you enjoy it a lot, I feel like you'll just find yourself just always doing it because it's just fun. Like this is fun to me. I, I love it. Do you think being
1: hard on yourself? I mean, you're obviously people love your beats, um, but you just made a statement that <laughs> you're not entirely in love with them yourself. Yeah, do, do you think having that constant self criticism,
0: the cycle of self criticism pushes you to, to be better? Yeah, I think so because like I didn't not like necessarily not like my beats, I just felt like there's certain things when I listen, like. I want to be better at chord progressions because, you know, you'll hear beats all the time. I love listening to beats. Like, I really listen to a lot of music, but I also listen to a lot of instrumentals, uh, especially if I find something where I'm listening to it and I'm like, dang, like, this is really, really good. And, you know, some of those beats you hear and you're like, man, I'm trash. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's not like you're being, like, super serious. but you might be, uh, but you're just, like, inspired by it and kind of, like, in a good way challenged by it. Like, you, you feel, like the core progression is crazy or whatever. And you just, I always notice certain things that I'm like, okay, I definitely would like to improve on that. So I'll just take time to try to, to try to do that just because, The other good factor to it is the more I can learn as far as like chord progressions and uh, advancing my beats and whatnot, the more content I can have to share with other producers on my channel. And like every six months, I'll redo like a video of how to make uh, like better melodies or catchy melodies or something. And the reason I put them out like six months apart is because by that time, I feel like I've practiced enough and improved enough to make a more Uh, in-depth or better video than I did the last time and it's kind of just like a learn with me type of thing like in six months you're going to see another one of these how to make better melodies or something because I'm improving uh, as long as I practice so it's another thing that I could share
1: let me ask you this then because I've I've witnessed a lot of creatives look at so let's just talk producers specifically a lot of producers listen to another producer's beats and they'll say oh yeah I can do that and then they create their version of it and it's way off um so being a i think a good producer involves being a really good listener and an analytical Mm -hmm. listener but how did you develop that ear because not every it's not something that everybody's born with it's something that a lot of us have to develop to the point where we can hone in on a certain part of a track and say okay i like how that chord progression resolves into this next you know chord or i I like how this drum sounds distorted or whatever the case is, rather than just saying, okay, I got it. I'm going to Mm -hmm. recreate it. And we're not actually synthesizing that information in our head.
0: Uh, I think there's two reasons that come from that. I guess the reason before uh, doing what I do would be uh, when I was younger, my mom was very like, uh, what do you call it? Like not uh, musically trained, but like by ear player, like she could hop on a piano and kind of just play along the songs Um, And then outside of that, like mixing wise is probably the main one, because after six, seven years of mixing, you're really able to pick apart like frequencies to the point where you'll hear just kind of every part of a mix. So when it comes to producing, it kind of plays into it because you'll be able to hear like different, like exactly what you're saying, because of mixing, you're very like you have to be able with mixing to hear like certain parts of a mix, right? If something's muddy or, um, if you're trying to EQ like a whole mix together or mastering and you hear like a resonance somewhere, you have to be able to kind of pick apart and see where that is. And that really just comes with time. Um, and the more, the more you do it, the more you get better at it. But I think it, it plays hand in hand when it comes to producing, because, uh, sorry, this mic keeps falling. Um, because a lot of these things kind of play into each other, right when it, when it comes to mixing, like I said, since you're so in tune with everything that's going on in the mix, when it comes to like maybe hearing a beat and someone's like, "Oh, like, what is that sound right there?" You're kind of able to like zone in and really hear what it is and be able to listen to it more so that you can practice it more. But when it comes to like getting better at like if I hear a beat and I feel like it's something I can't do." I really just sit there and try to figure out what it is and then just practice it because by doing that, maybe it's another genre or something, you're going to be able to not only do that now, but you don't know what else it's taught you how to do, right? Like just by doing that now, you might be able to hear things in in a certain beat or a certain mix that you didn't hear before because just from listening that one time and zoning in, you have that ability of doing that. So I kind of just, I don't know, I like I like thinking of stuff like that. Not Like not everything is just a one-way thing. You might learn something and then pick up like, two, three other things. And it might translate outside of uh, producing into life. You know, it could be like something crazy that you're just doing, like you're cleaning the car. I don't know, like something weird. And then you're like, oh, I like this played in, or I know this because of that. Or you learn patience this way, so you can apply that to this. And it's just a bunch of different things that go into it. That so, car analogy was terrible. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm the king of... Throwing
1: weird analogies, half baked analogies. Yeah, you know, then then you do it in a live format. It's like you can't take it back. Yeah, no, you can't. Um, and then you you don't even know where you're going with this. So just keep talking. So yeah, <laughs> let's segue to something else then. So you you cool. were talking a lot about engineering and how um, engineering complements producing. I had uh, Ricky P from Taylor Gang uh, on here last week. Him and him and Seth, uh, his manager, and he said very directly that he thinks. Producers should learn to engineer. Do you agree with that?
0: Um, I don't think it's bad to learn engineering. I think it's really good. Um, but it's definitely like something that you have to, or you, you mean like engineering, like as far as like recording people or like whole thing, mixing type of things, like I can't put words in his mouth.
1: I think he's more focused on, on tracking Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. I I think that's a very good skill to have, especially if you're running a studio. Like, if you had your own studio and you make beats and then you also know at least how to, like, track someone's vocal and get, like, a rough kind of mix, that's probably one of the best things you can do because people are going to start coming to you for recording-wise, even if it's just for kind of demos, maybe they'll take it somewhere else to mix, but at least you know how to record a vocal because then you can have artists come over and supply beats, but also track their vocals. Uh, You're going to build a lot of relationships that way, and then you're going to be able to be recommended for a lot of other artists to come to your studio because you have kind of like a one-stop shop, even maybe if you know mixing a little bit, but they can always, you know, if you don't, you could be like, I just know how to track and stuff, but I can provide the vocals and then you could, you know, get a mix somewhere. Um, I definitely think that's a super good skill to at least have. And it's not too hard to learn. I mean, there's a lot of things to getting a good vocal sound from the start. Um, But if you're able to kind of throw up a mic and get a good tone and not clip, you know, you're a good portion of the way there. But definitely there is a lot of, uh, intricate stuff to getting a very clean vocal from the beginning. That'll make the mix mixing portion a lot easier um, and a better sound from the beginning. But honestly, like you can just get a pretty good sound as long as you're not clipping and then, you know, fix it in the mix and get it good. But it's definitely rule of thumb. Good to start with the best recording you possibly can. Cause it's going to make the mixing way better. And the record is going to come out better. Okay. Just,
1: just for laughs. Um, what what's probably the most important thing you would say is uh, the, the most important factor in getting a clean recording when you're tracking vocals in
0: turning off all the sound like this fan I have in the background because it's like a hundred degrees where I'm at, but the mic I'm using might not pick it up too much. Uh, but if you're recording with like a condenser and you have like an AC on, and then the speakers are on, and there's just sound going. Uh, the number one thing I would recommend, the two things I would say, at least if I could choose some, and we're live, so I might be thinking a little bit more about this later. But off the top of my head, I would say as quiet as possible, and don't clip. But you know, then it comes into like as far as like the room you're in and where you're recording. Uh, there's a lot of ways to fix that if you don't have like treatment and whatnot. You know, uh, but definitely as quiet as possible and not clipping would be two of the best things. If we're not going to get into the intricates of like preamps and mics and mic placement and all that, if if you clip the recording is going to be messed up. You can't undo you know something that that went into the red when it comes to recording. Even if you turn it down, you're going to hear the distortion. And then if you have a bunch of noise in the background depending on what it is you're probably not going to be able to take it out so probably just off the top i think those two are super important well let's i don't want to get into the intricacies of engineering either because that's that's <laughs> outside yeah, of my for grade. <laughs>
1: um no my eyes are just going to glaze over but uh um, oh, yeah. with regard to uh, uh, uh preamps let's just mm-hmm. what kind of setup do you have because i because i don't know much about engineering i do track um and i do some vocal production and and stuff like that but when i got i got a 1073 and it Uh changed my life what do you run it into um the what do i run the 1073 into yeah
0: just the uh personas interface oh okay does that one have uh bypassable preamps on it the personas Like you run you run into your into your uh, preamp and then the preamp goes into the interface. Then there's a preamp in the interface too, so it's like two preamps. Um, It might have bypassable pre's. Um, The only reason I ask now I got to look. (laughs) look. We'll keep keep talking. I'm gonna look. Yeah. Uh, So my setup uh, before I switched it recently, just because I got like a new desk, um, I was running a Chameleon Labs preamp into a I think a Profire two six two six. Which had the bypassable pre, so that's kind of what I was looking for back when I got the preamp. Um, I wanted something with bypassable pre's and and some of them had it and whatnot. And so I ran it through Profire two six two six. But anyone that knows what that is, it's it's outdated now. Like the drivers, I think stopped at Windows seven, um, but it would still work on my Windows ten. So I just kept it, but it was like an eight channel preamp um and it's not the best but like i said since it had the bypassable pres i was just running one mic pre through the chameleon labs um and the chameleon labs also had an eq on it It was the x mod version uh, i think it's the 7602 i have it right there i feel like i should check that because that number yeah, i believe it's the 7602 x mod um And it has an EQ built in on it as well, which is really cool. So you can kind of like run it into that pre and get like a nice warm sound if you kind of drive it into the yellow a little bit. And then it actually has like a high pass um, and then a couple, I think it has three, I'm trying to look at it right now, but I can't really see. I think it has three EQs that you can adjust and a high shelf as well. Um, So that was really cool. But then I changed my desk and I also felt like it was overkill to be running my mic for tutorials through, you know, a $1,500 preamp just to record a vocal and having it all set up. Um, When I upgraded my desk, I had less room to fit all of it. So now literally I'm running through like a 2i2 or a Scarlett Solo, I think. Um, And the only reason that is, is because I haven't found out what I want to upgrade to because I need to get a new interface outside of the Profire. But I don't need eight inputs anymore. Like I only use one, so yeah. I kind of sat there and I'm like, honestly, if I'm just doing tutorials, like the solo is fine. Like I'm just running through there, um, but if it comes to recording again, as far as artists, I'll definitely be utilizing the preamp. Yeah, because the
1: because the um, the scarlets they don't have bypassable preamps on them, do they? I don't believe so. No. So right now I'm just running. Like, is it like those the interface preamps are so they do so little that it almost isn't. A huge factor or yeah would you i think say it, it's a
0: big deal i honestly i feel like i'm a little rusty as far as the research because this is stuff i researched a while back but i don't think it's anything crazy um i think it's just better if you want the tone of the preamp that you have to try to get something that you know you can kind of run just straight through as a converter into the into the computer um but I mean, if I was able to just plug into this one and then it had, you know, an output that can go into the computer, I would love that. But that's not how preamps are built. Um, when you get one that's just a preamp, you know, not an interface and everything in it. Um, but honestly, like I said, for me, for what I was doing, it was just kind of overkill. But it was just me kind of holding on to my gear because I loved it. And I was like, yeah, and I was just – but I tell myself, like, dude, you're just recording, like, for the YouTube tutorials. You don't need to be running through all this gear and turning it on and, you know – constantly having to just use all this when really i can just plug into a little solo but i still yeah, have some, it people, some
1: producers are doing like the the viral um
0: the, the viral you know million view tutorials
1: and they're literally with their headset like you know talking and yeah, their, yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. i'm like <laughs> it sounds fine and people are cool yeah. with it so you know it is what it is um let's, let's transition because i think some people in the in the comments section in the are saying we're speaking a foreign language and i'm kind of feeling like, <laughs> it's like that as well um what else was i going to say okay so in terms of your career how long we touched on it earlier
0: but how long have you been making music as a career no other job 2019 actually i think we're coming up on two years now i think i quit June. It might have been this exact day, honestly. That looks June 24th. I feel like it was around then, maybe July. Um, The last one I was working was the janitor at a school. And I think the last time we talked, yeah, I was starting that job maybe Uh, because I've been working those type of jobs for a while. Uh, But the school job was the last one. And um, that ended, I was able to leave that 2019 at summertime. I know school was out. So we're doing like the deep cleaning, you know, you go in and clean all the classrooms and bathrooms like thoroughly since everyone's out of school. Um, And I left during that. So I think it was June, 2019.
1: What would you say were the most important habits that you formed or the most important actions that you took that helped you reach the point of being able to quit your job and just make money off of music?
0: Sorry. Can you repeat that one more time?
1: What what were some of the habits that you formed or the actions that you took that that allowed you to quit your job and just focus on music and make all your
0: income off of that? Definitely the scheduling. I think that was something I tried to speak a lot about on my channel. And the reason that was is because that job was Monday through Friday, uh, like mid-shift. So I think 2.30 or 3 to like 11.30, something like that. Um, So I'd have to get up early enough to do the normal functions of being human, eat breakfast, get some coffee, you know, and uh, start on work. And I would only have maybe three, four hours before I had to get ready to go to work because I try to push it as much as I can. If I start at three, you know, I'm trying to make beats at like two thirty and then just rush over there. But definitely the scheduling of it, because since I had started my channel, I was working jobs. Uh, there was one time when I was actually working two jobs and doing the YouTube and it just put me, that's probably why now I'm so used to just working a lot, um, and really enjoying it that I'm able to work as much as I want because I don't have to go to work. Uh, but I, I liked all my jobs. I loved them. I worked with really cool people, uh, it got me out. And then, you know, when I would come home, I'd be locked in, but the scheduling was the best because I would know, okay, if I sleep until a 12, let's say, and then eat breakfast, I'm only going to have like an hour to work. So I would definitely be waking up at the consistent time every morning, get in as much work as I can, um, have it scheduled out what I'm going to do for the day, and then I'd go to work, um, come back. And sometimes I would, I mean, a lot of the time, honestly, I'm not going to lie, I would continue to try to work a little bit, but I would definitely make sure to knock out at a good time so I can get some rest, uh, wake back up and do the same thing. And then that really just kind of put me in this cycle of scheduling and it made everything so easy because I know, let's say... I don't remember exactly what it was, but let's just say Monday, Tuesday was creation. So I would, you know, those two days record a bunch of videos or something. Um, And then Wednesday, Thursday, maybe was the edit upload. And then Friday was the make beats all day type of thing. And then just go to work and at work, you know, I'd be trying to do as much as I can on breaks and stuff to like promote and answer DMS or whatnot. So it really just gave me that like consistent schedule to where, It just made things kind of flow nice and easy, and I couldn't really like not do something because then I'm going to be at work, and I can't go back from home and make the beat that I should have made that day or make the video I should have made that day.
1: Did anyone ever mistake you uh, for a student
0: while you were working as a janitor? (laughs) No. No, they didn't. It was a high school or it was a middle school? uh i worked at a couple different ones uh the first one was middle and then the one that i was at before i had quit was elementary oh, okay if it was a high school they definitely would have
1: been like, your- <laughs> because i used to when, when i used to when i was um when i still had a regular job i would mm-hmm. i was a site coordinator at an after school program yeah and i got yelled at by a whole bunch of teachers and it was actually my <laughs> old high school oh really and, you know, they're like there are thousands of kids at that school it's it's yeah. huge i'm getting yelled at by teachers young men get off yourself and i'm like i'm wearing a button up and it's tucked in chill
0: i'm an adult you're like i'm in the uh, break room what are you talking about <laughs> yeah it, well i wasn't
1: i wasn't um break room status but i was oh, okay i was walk into the room with a bag of snacks and tell um, college students younger than me, you know, what to do for that, for that two hour period. Yeah. Um, Anyway, why are we talking about this? Um, (laughs) what is is your, yeah, I know. Right. Uh, what, what is your revenue model look like? Is it mostly to, uh, YouTube monetization? Is it mostly influencer stuff? Is it mostly engineering? Is it production? Or is it just equally across the board? how, How does that work for you?
0: Uh, there's like a good amount of streams of revenue, like a handful. Um, my site generates probably the most. Um, then I do like offered services as far as like mixing, um, custom beats and stuff. And then I do sell beats as well, but I pushed that a lot harder when I first started because that was what I was doing before the channel. Uh, like before I started doing tutorials, I was really just trying to sell beats. Uh, and then as it started to grow, And I started getting into other things. I would still post beats. I didn't push them as much. And then I created the second channel that I have where I just really post beats. And I made that channel kind of for fun because I missed posting beats. Um, And once I created that, I would just be putting beats up there all the time in my free time. And that kind of started bringing that revenue stream back in. But It's one of those things that it's just fun for me to do because I I really like the process of uploading beats. And I feel like for a while I wasn't doing it because on my channel, I didn't want to kind of mix the two. So when I created the second channel, I was just uploading for fun. um, And it started... I wonder how many times I've said I'm already... And it started creating, you know, another stream of revenue. But I would definitely say that it would be kits on my site. uh, Mixing services, I still do. Uh, I work a lot with a couple artists that I mix full projects for. And then YouTube as well, yeah. Okay. Um, back back
1: to mixing and production. What would you say? Because I'm sure you hear a lot of producers' music. What mm-hmm. would you say are some of the most common mixing mistakes that, that producers make?
0: Um. Honestly, I would say a lot of the mixes I hear are actually good. And a lot of people's... At least when I'm going through like B-Stars and stuff, because like I said, I like to just throw on beats and listen to them. I definitely think a lot of the mixes are good. Sometimes, I guess, I would say I think, and this was for me as well, the two biggest issues, at least when I first started that I would have as well, was like low-end issues, which is going to come from most of the time the environment you're mixing in, not translating outside because your room is, you know filled with bass it might not be treated or the setup's incorrect so the low end might not be translating and then muddiness in a mix but I feel like most mixes I hear there's honestly so many times there's a lot of better mixes out there than I would hear bad but I think definitely probably just muddiness and then the low end kind of being off and that just comes down to honestly, like the environment you're in or just like translation wise of getting your mix to sound good in the environment you're in. And then you take it out to the car and it's just so much low end that the whole mix is being eaten. So in
1: your experience, what is the, especially if you don't know much about acoustic treatment and maybe don't have the funds yet to put up bass traps and clouds and all that, um, what, what would you recommend producers do to reference their mixes?
0: So before that, the things you can do, I would just want to touch on real quick, would be like, let's say you had like a like a, a monitor set up an interface, and interface on like a desk. Uh, you can position your monitors in the best possible way of your room, which would be obviously firing down the long side of the room, right? So if you had um, a room that was 11 by 10, you want to have I can't even explain this without drawing it out, but your monitor's going and shooting down the 11-foot way, right? Um, And then trying to get yourself a little bit away from the back wall. There's a video on YouTube where there's a guy that kind of breaks it down in like a cool little cartoonish way so you can like really easily understand it. So I think if you just put like a monitor... placement video or something on youtube it'll probably come up or studio monitor placement video and it'll just show you all the things you know to get a little bit away from the back wall if you can be like 38 that your mixing position is 38 percent of the length of the room and then if you can't do any treatment just at least getting uh your monitor set up with where you're sitting in a equilateral triangle. I think that's how you say it. I probably messed that up, but it's all good. Um, And that's just having the same distance from your monitors to where you're actually sitting to your ears, having them at ear level. So just little things like that, that are obviously free. If you have speakers that you can set up to kind of help out, I think is super important. And then as far as referencing goes, if you're in a room that's not treated, if you can get a cool pair of studio headphones that you can learn and kind of reference on those, that's good. And then honestly, Anything you really know well, like your car, everybody knows how their car sounds. And at least for me, the second a mix comes on in my car, I know exactly what sounds weird because that's, you know, just anywhere you listen to music the most is going to be the best. And then reference tracks. Reference tracks are a huge one. And that's just getting a beat or a song that you really like. Like, let's say you had a, a track that you liked that you were able to kind of say, okay, this kind of sounds like something off a Kendrick album. So you go grab a song that you like the mix of and then throw it in your session, get the same readings, right? Use like a LUFS or something and get it, get it down to about the same amount, make sure that it's not louder and then flip back and forth and kind of listen to yours compared to theirs. You could also take like an EQ on the master and take out all the high end. So you only hear like the mid range and the low end and then flip back and forth. So you can hear what's going on in the lower parts and then take that reference to the car as well with yours on like Dropbox and keep doing like 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 and kind of adjust. I mean, back then I honestly used to take my laptop uh, to the car and just move like small adjustments in the car, which sounds crazy. But since I felt at the time that I knew my car better than my speakers and my environment because I was just starting out, I was like, let me see what happens if I get it to sound decent in the car while I'm sitting there, which is not ideal. But bring it back into the studio and see, okay, this is kind of, I liked what it sounded like in the car. And then now in the studio, I kind of understand what it should sound like in here. Because at first, uh, the room I was in was super small and it would just get built up with so much low end that I couldn't really hear what was going on. So it's just little tricks like that that really help out because having your mix translate is going to be the best thing. Because once you're able to know in your room that it sounds good or in your studio, wherever you are, you're not going to be so scared to hit play in your car. Because I used to sit there when I first started and be like, oh, here we go, and hit the play button, and it goes, and you're like, oh, here we go again. Like the kick destroyed the thing, my speaker sound, you know. It's just if you, can, if you can't treat your room or do whatever, it's good to just get as many reference points and reference tracks so you can understand your speakers and your environment. What kind of studio monitors are you using right now? Uh, I'm on the Yamaha HS8s. I wanted to get like NS10s and get the whole setup and whatnot, but I really need like a full space. Um, I want to get like a full studio to kind of just start investing a bunch of stuff and get a lot of analog gear and whatnot. But for a couple years, I wasn't doing too much mixing anymore. Like I was really focused in on the channel and just creating. So I kind of stopped buying gear because I wasn't recording people. And then as far as like my speakers went, like, Everything just worked for what I needed it for. But I definitely know when I get, like, a full studio setup and everything, I'm going to be back on the, okay, let me see what gear is in. Let me get this compressor when I'm recording vocals because it's just it's kind of addicting. It's really fun to do. But for right now, you know, I don't need to run through a crazy preamp and then a compressor and then a distressor and all this stuff to record a YouTube video. Like, it would it would just be overkill. Yeah.
1: Um, well, on to on to brighter topics, uh, congratulations on passing the, the 100,000 subscriber mark on
0: on YouTube. When did that happen? La- oh, thank you, by the way. Uh, last year, end of last year, I think. Man, my time is flying by. We're already halfway through this year. It, I, you, I don't think it was this year. It was definitely, I think it was last year, like November, December, I think, maybe a little earlier. Yeah, I think I think
1: the same for me actually. Um Yeah,
0: I think it was around the same time I I think I remember seeing you as well. How, how was that journey? It was cool, man. When I first started, I wanted That was like the number one thing. Like when I started on YouTube, I would see people get plaques. And I was like, how do you get that? Like, where do you apply for that? Like, you just get it. Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't know you had to have a certain amount of subs. Uh, And then I would see, you know, how to get them and whatnot. And then I was like, dang, that's a lot of subscribers. I was like, but I'm going to get that plaque. I was like, "If that's the last thing I do. Like, I want that plaque. Like, it'd be so dope to like get it. I think they used to send in like a really big frame, right? Like, because now it's just like what you see is what it is. It used to be yeah. framed, I Yeah. So I got it and I saw like I think the foam that's around it. And I'm like, oh yeah, here's the here's like the the frame. And then I pulled it out. I was like, oh wait, where's the frame? <laughs> I didn't know it was just that. So I gotta figure out how to get a frame for it. Um, but I would see people posting those like way, way back then, and I was like, that would be really cool to have. Like I want something like that. So I see you have yours is mounted, right, in the back. Yeah, it's it's yeah. uh that way. Um, there.
1: There you go. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so, it's not the biggest thing in the world, but it's also not the smallest thing in the world. A frame would definitely make it look bigger, like and especially it like, yeah. if it had
0: like black matting or something. But yeah, yeah, I have mine someday. set up on like a, a a Walmart plastic like I don't know like stand thing that you would put a frame on. It was like a oh, dollar nice. or two, so I feel like I'm okay. not doing it justice. Like it needs to be in like a nice big frame, but I got to figure out where to get them because it's like such an awkward like like it's it's like. I don't know, like half an inch, right? So, like, I got to figure out what I don't know how to frame. Yeah, that. go to go to one of those
1: framing stores. It's going to be expensive, but they'll, they'll make. Yeah, it'd right. be worth it. Yeah, I got to do that.
0: This mic stand, man, has just been falling this entire time. <laughs> I just
1: recently, up before this, I realized that my mic stand that's mounted to the desk was falling off, and then oh, yeah? I realized that it was tearing into the desk. So,
0: do you have the one I, that like kind of like adjusts that. to the desk? We probably have the same one. It's like a newer or something. Um, no, this one I had to get a because this this mic is so freaking
1: heavy. Yeah, um, I had to get a specific arm with a bunch of tension on it. So right, I'm um, you screw the vice. It's basically a vice grip, and it you screw it on, and I guess that yeah. it works, but it's also. Evidently too strong of a grip, and it's tearing <laughs> into the desk. it's like, just man, I gotta up. get one of those expensive ass, you know, studio desks, like so my yeah. studio can start looking like neon vines or something. Um,
0: <laughs> the, the The springs. Last thing I'll say is the springs on these scare me when I'm like moving it to oh, make a yeah. video or something, and you, you hear tick get tick. tick. I'm face. like, dude, if that thing comes off and I lose my teeth, it's game over.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I worry yeah. about that too because it all mm-hmm. that would. All it is going to take is just one slip up and you get up. That's it. it. Yeah. I'm just here and I can't stop the streams. So I'm just going to be talking to you through like <laughs> bloody Kleenex. Uh, okay. So uh, let's talk about your YouTube <laughs> yeah. channel Since you hit that, uh, that thousand uh, hundred thousand uh, subscriber benchmark. Um, how, how do you decide which ta- topics to ta- tackle in your YouTube? Cause you've done hundreds and hundreds of videos I'll even share my screen because I have your your YouTube um pulled up, and uh, we can kind of look at it as you as you discuss it, but it's a lot of videos and these these are your yeah. most popular videos and you know they're yeah. doing pretty well, but how do you you know it's like coming up with ideas for beats every day how you come up with ideas for for tutorials every week
0: uh so really it just like there's I feel like there's so many things to go over with mixing that I mean I've covered a lot of them it was definitely easier when I first started because I was able to just like okay there's so many things I can cover with mixing but I feel like now I like to get into I'm trying to do like more series now of like explaining in depth like how um multi-band compressors work and stuff like that instead of just like you know doing a mixing tutorial i'm using it so i did one on compression again which is updated from like a very old video i had and then i did one on how to use multi-band compression and like understand what it does and then as far as like creating like beat wise content i just feel like whatever i am currently listening to or whatever i'm like currently making i'll make the type beat tutorials around that and then those are always fun to do And then just any type of like business things I could kind of think of that I could share. Really. I mean, there's, I'm not going to lie to you. There's a lot of days where I sit down and I'll go in my notes and I just try to think of a lot of stuff. And sometimes I'll be drawing blanks or I'll come up with 10 ideas and then just kind of advancing older tutorials, maybe go more in depth with something. I definitely had a lot of ideas before COVID as far as like showing start to finish with the artist of how to like set up a mic, get the placement down, record it, um, that's going to be something that's definitely coming in the future where it's start to finish as far as like mic setup, record, make a beat or, you know, mic setup, make a beat, record, like just the whole thing and then upload. So you could see like start to finish just how a song could be created and then uploaded uh, to all the streaming platforms. So just like different ideas, I definitely want to start adding, not necessarily like vlog tile stuff, but like Just like different types of videos, maybe just going to like a studio with uh, Tim and just making like, how many songs can we make in X amount of time or just like, like cool videos like that. But uh, yeah, just kind of throw things on the notes and see what I can get. And then I'll try to just make a bunch of topics and then cover them. And I have like so many of my notes that I haven't done. So it's kind of just something I can pull from. But I'll definitely tell you that before three or 400 videos, this was a lot easier to think of because I could literally be like, oh, EQ, that's like 40 videos I can make. And then after I cover a lot of them, like, all right, let me see. Let me try to finesse it a certain way and see what I can come up with as far as EQ tutorials go. But I think just because I enjoy it a lot lot. easier. It's
1: a lot to cover. And then it's also not that much to cover when you really yeah. dive into it but in, yeah. so in terms of the the videos themselves in terms of tags and titles and seo optimization how do you optimize your videos to get the most traffic cuz some of them a lot of them are hitting you know the half million around the half million
0: view mark yeah i think now that i've done so many I did a lot of the keyword research um, back then. I, I don't think I'm too heavy on it now just because like if I'm doing like a melody tutorial, I'll kind of go through my videos and see what keywords were ranking for that and then kind of just check them real quick to make sure there's still something that's active. But I also, so then I'll copy those over um, and do a little bit of research, make sure they're still good. But I mean, if I were to start from start to finish, you know, I feel like you have, the video or the videos as far as, uh, keyword optimization and stuff on your channel, which I've watched too, where you actually had, I think the guy from two buddy, right. Where you kind of went over. So that's like a gem for everyone to go watch because then you could just take that and utilize it for anything. But the, the thing I always did was how do I search something? Right. Cause I don't always just type in like the best phrasing of something, like how to make melodies from this. I'll type in like how to make sad melodies something, something, something. And I'll just write down a bunch of ways that I think I would search it and then go see if those are actually searched. And a lot of the times, at least some of the ways that I phrase it, they're keywords that are probably easier to rank on. And then I'll just kind of add those in and then, you know, just the normal ones. But I definitely try to get a little bit like if I'm doing a melody tutorial, I, I try not to just drop like melody as the keyword. I try to make it a little bit more towards the video. So, Uh, how to make a catchy emotional melody and I'll see if that's getting searched and then like, okay, what else would I look for if I was trying to learn this? Cause that's definitely still what I do to this day. And if I type in something to see a video or something, I'll pay attention to the way that I'm searching it because sometimes I'll like, I think for my, uh, multiband compression video, I tried to like be cool and put like multiband compression made easy. And then how to use a multiband compressor after, and the video tank, Is that like a thousand something views oh. <laughs> and it didn't really rank on many things. And then I noticed that just the way that I titled it, I probably should have put that first part as the thumbnail, right? multi Multiband compression made easy. And then the thumbnail, how to use a multiband compressor because people aren't probably going to search multiband compression made easy. I don't think so. So that's probably why I fumbled the bag. Right. right. On. I, okay. Yeah. I see what you're and, saying. And, and, and some
1: people do L's. that. Yeah. Well, but you learn, you learn from all yeah, that. Definitely. I love yeah.
0: it. Yeah. It's worth
1: it. You got to,
0: you know? Yeah.
1: So um, your video entitled How to Make Amazing Melodies Easily mm-hmm. got a ton of views. Did you do a lot of research on that particular title?
0: I think that one, I don't know why, because I've done like maybe two more after that. Because like I said, I think that was last year, right? That was like 2020 when I dropped that one. I think that was uh, during everything. Um, And that one blew up quick. And I don't have a lot of videos that blow up quick. Like, if you go to my channel, like the videos, um, they get like an average of, I don't know, one to maybe four or five. And then some of them will kind of do higher numbers. But when I dropped that video last year, the numbers were going crazy for it. So I was trying to figure out, I think it's because I did the step-by-step type of thing Mm. where I was like, I sat there and I thought, okay, I've done the melody tutorials before, but maybe if I broke it down in these four simple steps that I at the time was doing to make melodies, uh, when I was trying to learn them, I would start, I think, with like, like a root note progression and then add this. And then and I just kind of had like this four step thing I did. And I'm like, let me try that in a video. Like, I don't know, maybe it won't work. And I didn't think it would work that well. So I made that video and dropped like a kind of one, two, three, four type of thing. And I think just the way that that came across in the video and the thumbnail just like must've stuck. Cause it's easy to follow. And that's probably why it did well, because I, I did another one recently. Um, I want to say a couple months ago and it's, it's at a decent amount. I haven't checked it, but it's not what that one did. Like, that one was jumping a couple thousand like a week. And I was just watching it go crazy. And I was like, this is dope. Like, so definitely I th- it came down to, like, the way I kind of sectioned that video out. I think that was the most important part because the keywords weren't too different. So so what is the key
1: to making amazing melodies? I want to know. <laughs>
0: Uh, you got to you got to watch that video i'm just playing i did watch the video but <laughs> yeah. you have a couple of videos on making yeah. melodies
1: and i think you yeah. referred to to that process earlier where right. you know you you do the video and then you learn a little bit more and then mm-hmm. you make a you know a new version of it with some some refined techniques
0: right. so i think for me it it really is starting with like i've always started with the chord progression first whether it's i'm playing it on the midi or typing it in but i feel like i tutorial wise i can't really Play it on the MIDI and record that because if someone doesn't have a MIDI, they might not be able to follow along. And it's easier to just stare at a screen when I show it. So I started learning like the basics. I had taken a piano class like uh, way back then in like high school, and I forgot some of these basics. So I just went back to learning the basics of like just um, chord progressions, right? And then creating like a certain chord progression of like a, a six, five, four chord progression, or I'm just throwing numbers out there, but you know, you have your notes. So you could do like a one, three, four, or whatever. And I'll create the root notes of that and then build a chord on top of each one of those and then just start inverting random notes and adding the uh, root notes at a lower octave. And then from there, I'll try to just build out a melody. I think the next thing I have to, I want to get into learning more is like rhythm of melodies. I feel like that's something I can definitely get better at, like more advanced rhythms of melodies and kind of get them to like get better. And then the other thing, which actually I seen that you're pretty good at, is like uh, what do they call like running on the on the on like a bass going up a scale like a bass. Oh right yeah, so. walk ups. Yeah, uh, walk. Yeah, 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 uh, walking the bass. Those I'm bad at. Like I just did an Isaiah Rashad video and I feel like the uh, bass line could have been way better. And I actually show one of my friends and he's like, "Oh, it's a cool beat, but the bass line, I feel like you could have like." did like the walking bass line, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm trash at them. So that's definitely one thing I want to learn next. Cause I think if I could learn that it could help out uh, as far as piano, piano goes as well. Cause then you can kind of just create something that leads into the next chord and whatnot. But for me, yeah, just getting some root notes down, trying to come up with a certain chord progression, numbering wise, and then laying in the chords, doing inversions to kind of make it sound more advanced uh, clustering certain notes to kind of give it that jazzy feel. And then, Honestly, I'm not good at typing in melodies. I'm really good at playing melodies on the keyboard because I like to do it quick and go through for like five minutes just randomly seeing what you know kind of spikes some interest for me. And I can't get that to come across on the on uh, the mouse because I'm not that quick at it. So if I lay down a chord progression and then I go on the MIDI keyboard and just look at, okay, this is a scale. I can just run through it. And just, once I catch something, I'll record it real quick and then fix it all right well
1: we just hit the the 3 p.m mark i have a bunch more questions so we're gonna have to do this again um for sure yeah well we'll we'll talk about it we'll, we'll schedule something maybe like the end of um end of this year we can cool. we can have another sit down uh, appreciate you man how do, how do people contact you how do i know you you I, I wanted to talk
0: about your kits but what's what's the website to access all that lifestyle did it.com. And then everything's just at lifestyle did it. I got lucky with that. <laughs> I have yeah, to you really it. did. Yeah, I did. for Well, sure well we're going to, let's talk about your name too
1: next time. Cause that's, yeah, it is a unique name. Um, so we'll talk about that. I, um, I yeah. don't know if Cindy's still in the chat, Cindy, if there's something going on, um, after this, some additional free sessions, uh, especially on, on Twitter spaces. I'm, I'm not positive. I think there might be, uh, you know, please post that info so we can direct people over there. Um, but once again, shout out to everyone in the chat uh, and a huge shout out to you. Lifestyle did it. Thank you um, for being a guest here and, and sharing. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. it. it and good talking to yeah, you. Well, he'll, he'll be back on. You heard him say it. I will. He'll be back <laughs> on later. I will. I will later. be back on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll figure out and, and make that announcement. And uh, also, shout out to his hair. Apparently, people in the, in the chat are a fan. I think classic. I seen classic beats
0: posted. Shout out <laughs> classic
1: beats. <That's> yeah, for real. <laughs> all right, everyone. Uh, have a have a good weekend. Be safe. Be all right. Productive. Thank beats. you, guys. Thanks, Payne.